Come on. How y'all doing? Let me get my stuff together here real quick. Y'all doing well? Some of y'all like, I don't know yet. Some of y'all like, who this clay guy? Well, you know, it's been a minute. It's been, you know, it's about almost two years since I've seen some of your faces. Um, wow, you look good. Looking good. Well, it's still your boy Clay, except for maybe a few more gray hairs. Maybe a lot more gray hairs. My, my, my A-twins, are, they got their temps, so you know. <laughs> We've been teaching them how to drive. Oh, my goodness. And, uh, you know, I'm more bald than, it was, than I was two years ago. I know, I know. Y'all like, man, Clay, you've been bald. I know, I know, I know. But I'm, I'm, I'm mourning, I'm in mourning. I've been trying, like, to keep my hair. I've tried keeps. Doesn't work, doesn't work for me. You know, I thought I was going to go, like, the road game route. Like, nah, I'm just too desperate. I'm just going to go ahead and embrace this baldness thing and call it up as a, chalk it up as an Elisha anointing. You know what I mean? Elisha anointing, let's go. But I, I did discover collagen. Every day, my regimen, you know what I'm saying? It's helping, it's helping your boy with his skin and his joints and his crow's feet, you know? Brothers, I thought that was just for the ladies. Nah, I was sleeping, I was sleeping. Anyway, um, yeah, a little bit about me. But anyway, like I said, my name is Clay. I, I serve at the Vineyard Cincinnati Church and as the senior director of Breakthrough Ministry. And I, it's a mouthful, I know, but it's, it's basically uh, overseeing the process of uh, equipping the saints for work of naturally supernatural ministry. And what is naturally supernatural ministry? Well, to be honest with you, most of you, if you're a part of this house, know that term, heard that term, familiar with that term. But uh, in case you aren't, um, it basically is allowing God or partnering with God to allow him to bring his super to our natural. You know what I mean? Like, just be you. You know what I mean? You don't have to add any hype, any gimmicks, and you don't have to change your voice and your flow. Just be who you were designed to be. In fact, you're a masterpiece to God. You're a masterpiece to God. I think that some people need to hear that. Stop comparing yourself to other people. You don't need, the world does not need another echo. The world does not need another mimic, a copycat, a carbon copy. Be you. And don't rob the world of being fully who God made you to be. You know what I mean? I, well, I'm going to. So, yeah, all that to say, uh, that's what I do. I love it. I love it. And I love what God is stirring up here. I love what God is, 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 is man, cooking up here at this house. I pray that you guys continue to keep your foot on the, on the flow when it comes to gas on the floor and when it comes to like doing Holy Spirit ministry, when it comes to encounter, when it comes to leaning into seeing more people and more places come to know him. In fact, I pray that you guys turn up for the king and kingdom everywhere you go. I pray that, you know, I pray y'all already burning, but I pray y'all burn all the more to turn up for the king and the kingdom so that everyone else is turned up for the king and kingdom in such a way they sing in the song, turn down for what? Do, do, do. Do, 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 do. Turn down for you know I me. Mean? Like, listen, I want we want people in the Champaign Urbana area turned up for the Lord, for the King, to know that we're a part of something bigger than ourselves. To know that, you know, hey, there's something else, there's something out there that's more. So all that to say, can I just bless that upon y'all right now? 
God, can I bless that upon some of y'all? Like, I don't know. Okay, well, forget y'all then. I'm going to bless those that want it then, okay? So, Holy Spirit, more. More, Lord. I pray that there be your Spirit poured out upon them in such a way that they are so heavenly-minded, they're earthly off the hook. Incredible. That everywhere they go, that no one's safe from a blessing. We pray, Father, that you help them to extend more encounter that lead to more encounter that lead to more encounter that lead to more encounter and 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 soon everyone will be singing the praises of the Lord. We pray that Lord you help them turn Champagne Urbana see you upside down for the sake of the king and kingdom for the sake of the gospel in Jesus name. Amen. Are y'all good with that? Some of y'all are like I don't know. Well, now you know. I pray, I pray that y'all, if y'all are part of this house, y'all are part of an army rising up. You know what I mean? Don't be sitting on the sidelines. I pray that y'all wake up. There ain't no such thing as a spectator sport in the kingdom, man. You know, get off the, get in the game. Okay. I'm saying that with the frown in my face, but I'm really smiling. Frow, smile, frown. I don't know. When I was, uh, praying about my time here, I felt like the Lord wanted me to uh, share on something a little weighty. I was like, all right. I felt like he's, you know, weighty, but yet important for the church to lean in on it. And I felt like the Lord said, I want you to talk on the cost, on the cost. And I'm like, all right, let's go. We can go Bonhoeffer route, cost of discipleship all day. Let's go. And I felt like the Lord said, you know what? I want to I want to tweak it a little bit. I want to invite you to share on the cost of consecration. The cost of of consecration. Um, And I was like, okay, cost of consecration, consecration mean? Let's let's go to definition. And and, and I went to the the dictionary app. And uh, it says dedication to the service and worship of the Lord. Dedication to the service of and worship of. Uh, the Lord. It's a common OT phrase. You see it all up and down the OT. Um, but the primary New School application, primary New Testament application is found in Romans 12.1. Romans 12.1, it reads this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and, and sisters. We can't leave the sisters out. Hey, got to leave the sisters out in this thing as well, too. So, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. This is consecration. It's Latin for sacred. I want to propose to you that the clearer we see God, the more we will want to consecrate ourselves unto the Lord. And with the consecrated life comes real, social, relational, and familial even implications. I mean, we can't be consecrated unto the Lord and consecrated unto the world at the same time. It just doesn't mix. It does not mix. We can't be on the fence. Get off the fence. Satan owns the fence. 
It's either consecrated to the Lord or consecrated to the world. The more we draw closer to God, the more we see him clearly, we, 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 are, we are a centered set church, meaning that we pray that people draw closer and closer and closer to the center and the center meaning Jesus. Jesus is the center. And so as we draw closer to the center, I pray, I, I, it just will happen. When we do intimacy, when we rock and roll with God, when we rock and roll with the King of Kings, we can't help but to lay aside, to lay off, to put off the old me so we can step into the new you, right? And so that's consecration. And so as we continue to keep growing closer, more intimate with the Lord, there's things that happen. We start laying down certain things. We start laying down certain rights. It's a joy, sure, but you know what? It's also a cost. It may mean our engagement look a little different. It may mean that the way we engage with the world flows a little different. It may mean that certain platforms we can't engage in anymore. Certain media outlets we can't really, we got maybe leave alone. It may mean the way we talk, the way we walk, the way we attitude need, needs a tune-up. Some of your attitudes need a way tune-up. I'm playing, I don't even know you like that, okay? It's all good, simmer down. That was a joke. I'm not trying to throw law at you either. I'm not even trying to throw like a, a, a works message at you either because to be honest with you, the closer you get to draw in the center, the closer you get to Jesus, the more you realize there's a grace that enables you to walk like, talk like, to behave like the new creation that you are meant to be. And when you are closer to the center and when you kind of gravitate and grab on and hold on dear to that grace that enables you to do this, you can't help but to lay away and lay off all things that hindered you before. And eventually you start looking more and more like the new creation you were designed to be. You feel me? You understand? Okay, good. Give me some feedback out here, okay? I'm, 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 listen, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, give me some feedback out here. I told the first service, well, actually, I don't have to tell you guys the, what I told you first service, but you guys sometimes give me feedback. It's, it, it's a love language, okay? Just let me know that I'm hitting on the right track, okay? But anyway, um, the more, though, we have our great, the grace of God, the more we want to partner with God. And the more we want to partner with God, the more we realize, man, his grace is sufficient, to lay things down, y'all. You know what I mean? Hence the cost of consecration. So can we talk about that today? Some of y'all are like, nah, bro, I came the wrong week. <laughs> it's all good. Law, love. And uh, I, I pray that Holy Spirit come today and just brings his comfort, brings his guidance and his rest and uh, also his reassurance that you're good. But he's also wanting to challenge you as well, too. Uh, so, Lord, afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted in this word, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles with me, turn or click with me to Luke 14. Luke 14. Okay, context, he's killing it, right? Jesus, he stepped on the scene, he's killing it. He's like, 
this, this, this popularity's blowing up. I mean, people are following him. He's got like a million likes. And I mean, this guy is healing the sick, casting out demons. Everybody want a piece of him. And he says some hard things at uh, verse 25. Now, now, correct, Nate, now, great crowds, not just crowds, great crowds accompanied him. And he turned and said to him, to them, to the crowds, the great crowds, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, and yes, even his own life, he or she cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish it, all who will see, see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and wasn't able to finish. What? And then he tells another parable like the one he just shared Illustrating the same point. Verse 33. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all, someone say all, all that he has or she has cannot be my disciple. This is probably one of the most scathing, black and white, leave no room for gray, piercing to the bone and marrow. I'm bringing a sword on your tail passage. He's not playing no games with this. He, I mean, he ain't saying, eh, if you just pepper me into your life, we gonna be all right. I don't, I don't see that in there. He's not saying, ah, well, if you just tag along, if you have me tag along and just, you know, I'll be your spare tire in life. And so when you need me, just take me out the trunk, use me, and then put me back in the trunk and we good. Then we're going to be all right. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see that in here. And if you're, and if, you know, if you're like me, it's the word hate that can throw you. I mean, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and his wife and children and brothers and sisters, and yes, even his own life, hate his own life? He cannot be my disciple? This sounds super contradictory. I mean, Jesus is love. He is the epitome of love. He is all love. He taught us how to love. He taught us how to walk in love, talk in love. He even taught us how to love our enemies. Some of y'all still working on that now, but he taught us how to love our enemies. This guy, he was radical when it came to love because guess what? He is love. And now he's talking about hate and I'm looking at the Strong's definition for hate in, in the Greek, and it's pronounced messio in the Greek, and which, guess what it, mean, it means? It means hate. It means detest. 
I mean, okay. And then I, I looked a little deeper in, at the definition, and I, and I found an extension to the definition, to love less. May I propose to you that the context, what Jesus was using when he was saying this, was that we must be ready to love ourselves and our family less than Jesus. Said another way, okay? To be a disciple of Jesus, we must be willing to exalt and love Jesus over everything. Everything. That's the cause. Following Jesus will require a consecration. It will require a surrender. It will require a repentance. It will require these things. It will require faithfulness. Listen, even our family and our loved ones, even those that we roll with that are just our roll dogs, our ride or dies, our, our people who are, who, who are near and dear to us, right? Even if they are pulling us away and compromising the faith in us, then we must be ready to say, ah, I follow Jesus. I follow Jesus. Even if it brings pain and confusion, even if it's like, um, I want to be loyal to you, but to be honest with you, I'm loyal to Jesus. So whatever that means, whatever that brings, even if it like brings mocking, some of us may not be ready for the mocking that comes. Some of us may not be comfortable with the confusion and the division that may come to say, uh, I follow Jesus. I'm, I'm still working that out. I don't have it all together, y'all. I'm here to say, uh, just the other day, I mean, my, my guys from college, friends, they aren't, what I'm, they aren't doing what I'm doing. They aren't following Jesus to the level that I know I am. And, 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 and they're like, you know, let's go to Vegas and have a guy's trip, bro. Let's do it. Yeah, I got the credit card ready. Let's go. We're going to go to the club. We're going to do this. We're gonna... I'm like, uh, nah, I'm good. I'm good. Baby girl ain't coming. I'm computing in my mind. Like, I know that I'm going to be, like, in some awkward situations and compromising in certain ways. No, I'm good. I follow Jesus. And they think I'm a square but I don't care. I really don't care. But it's hard. It's hard. I'm not trying to say, look at me. I got it all figured out or martyr me. But it's not about that. We all got stories of cost. We all have stories. The question that I have for you is, are we sacrificing Jesus for convenience? Are we sacrificing Jesus for convenience? Do you realize that following Jesus, there is a cost, y'all? I think that, that we can, can forget that we're different. Looking like Jesus all day, every day will come with a cost. We have to say no to something so we can say yes to God. In fact, reverse it. Our yes to God means we said no to a whole lot of other things. Now, 
Listen, there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Romans 1, 8, 1, all day. There's no condemnation. I'm not throwing a condemnation message. Listen, but it, it, there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. If you're not in Jesus, then you are condemned. Like, I, I'm just, I'm just going to say, it. You, you don't have really much to look forward to. But that means that if you are in Jesus, I pray that you can get in him. So you have an opportunity to get in him. But... For those that are in him, there's no condemnation. So relax. Take a deep breath. You're not going to go to hell because you're living less than God's best. What I am saying is that I'm not preaching condemnation. I am preaching sanctification. A sanctification that will lead us to look more like Jesus as a new creation. Does that make sense? Okay, so this life of consecration, I want to make two points with the remainder of my, of my time. Two points that I want to make is this, a consecrated life uh, will require two things of many, but these are the two I want to point out, surrender and to see Jesus more clearly, surrender and to see Jesus more clearly, and all of this hinges on the fact that we must rely on Holy Spirit power, Holy Spirit help, because it is, it is going to be impossible, impossible period, to do any of these things without the help of Holy Spirit. Now, let's go to the first point, surrender. Surrender. As I read in Luke 14, 26, that passage, if anyone comes to me and does not hate, and hate, and hate, and da-da-da-da-da. Wow. Okay. That, I'm challenged by it. Red script. Okay. Jesus said it. That pierces. I'm challenged. But I can also see this pendulum swing to the other side. You see it too. Christians hating on non-Christians in ways that are like, wow, bro, do you even love? Or Christians hating on Christians, cannibalizing. I'm like, okay, this is crazy. I get conviction. I get conviction, but our conviction must be tethered with compassion. It must be tethered with compassion. Example, earlier in my marriage, when we first got married, I gave my life to Christ when I was 30. I'm like, I'm all in. I'm eating, I'm lunching, I'm in, I'm in the word. I'm gung-ho for Christ. Jesus over everything. And one day I told my, my, my wife, I don't know how we got to this point, but I told my wife, well, to be honest with you, baby girl, Jesus is number one, you're number two. Now, don't do that, guys. Young married fellas, just, just don't, don't say those things to your wife. I'm just telling you, I was right, but I was wrong. Okay? Like, that's not how, that's not how you do that. You, you don't do that. So I learned a lot. Okay, since then, or, or one day, I remember Jehovah Witnesses, uh, they came to my house, and man, I was like, before that, I was like, I wish a Jehovah Witness would come to my house. In fact, I dare, I double dog dare a JW come rolling in my house. So, because I was all knee deep in debating and apologetics and all, you don't win anybody to Jesus with the debating thing, okay? You just don't do it. You, you love. But that's not the story. Story is, they came to my house and I'm like chomping at the bit. It is all like diggy, 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 Kong, baby, let's go. And I'm like, I'm about to get the guns ablazing and everything, right? And as soon as I ask the question, is Jesus Christ the Son of God? 
I'm going after it. So as soon as they told me, oh, Jesus Christ, not the son of God, I'm like, blow, yes, he is, blow, yes, he is, blah, blah, blah. I'm giving them all kinds of points, debating it and everything. I have my guns set to like straight off, safety off and all that. You know what I mean? Blah, blah, I'm getting them. Two, two ladies, older ladies, they were just like hearing all the scripture. I was getting them with scripture. I was getting them with all the stuff. And they're like, oh, okay, well, you, you have a good day. They started walking to the truck and I'm following them. I'm following them to the truck. They're talking about burn your watchtower magazines. Burn your watch. Don't listen to the watchtower magazine. Burn them. Burn them. I should have just said, you're going to hell. But I mean, I mean, I, I mean what am I doing? I was, I was theologically right, but I was wrong. I was wrong. My convictions were strong but my convictions weren't tethered to compassion. I was not imitating and modeling and being like our king, our big bro. No. So, today, people are like, Clay, yeah, why don't you come on out to the, uh, to the abortion clinic with us and pick it and we can, you know. Ah, no, no, I'm not. I'm not doing that. If you want to talk to somebody, who's going through probably one of the most hardest times in their lives, talk to them personally. Grow a relationship with them. People tell me, ah, Clay, let's go to the LGBTQ parade and, and tell them how they're going to go. No, no, I'm not. We must be tethered with one conviction. We, I believe, y'all, we and you've heard it, we're a radical middle people. We're radical middle people, and we must, in this case, have this radical middle mindset with compassion and conviction. Conviction, compassion. And we must be ready to surrender everything else. Lay it down. Lay down our right to be right. Lay down our right to be right. Our right to be theologically correct. Our right to always want to debate. And oftentimes, and baby girl said this in her talk at the overflow. So I'm getting this from my, my wife, baby girl. She said, hey, have you noticed that the loudest person on social media usually isn't the one full of wisdom? Not the wisdom of the Lord, at least. I'm saying sometimes we just need to surrender that. Surrender it. Surrender. I'm going to keep it moving. Some people may need to surrender um, the right to hold the grudge. It may mean the right to one-up or get even with somebody in our life. It might mean that we need to surrender the urge to satisfy the lusts of the flesh so we can walk and be led by the Spirit. I believe that there's some couples here right now that you aren't married and you are intimate. You probably need to surrender the right to be intimate until the covenant wedding day. A life of consecrations requires surrender. So point two, that we see Jesus more clearly. 
that we see Jesus more clearly. Paul, he wrote a strong letter rebuke context to this spirit, this Galatians passage I'm about to go in. He wrote to the church of Galatians. He was jealous for the church of Galatians. He planted the church. He'd been, he's been pouring into the church. And there were like false prophets and false apostles and false bros, he would call them, basically distorting the gospel, basically messing up all the things that Paul worked to set up. And as a result of the distortion of the gospel, they were like actually deserting Jesus. They were like moving further and further away from Jesus as I am from this light right now. But anyway, they were moving further and further away from Jesus. And so in Galatians 1.6, it it reads this, I am astonished that you are so quickly. He was mad, y'all. He was hot. So this is the tone. He was hot. This was not a comfy, soothing letter. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. You see this. I want you guys to see the clear connection here. He is saying that we can find ourselves drifting far from him when we don't have a clear view of Jesus and the true gospel. We can drift from him. We can compromise Jesus for convenience. We can compromise Jesus just so we can have our ears tickled. We can compromise Jesus so we can be about it fitting our personal convictions and our personal preferences. Paul was going in and he said this in verse 7. Not that there is another one, not that there's another gospel. There is no other gospel. But there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached to you, let him be accursed. Then he went in. He went all the way in. He keeps it going. This was not a letter of comfort. This was a letter of rebuke. Fast forward, don't we still see this today? We see people distorting the gospel as evidence as the spirit of relativism. What's true for you is what's true for you. What's true for me is true for me. What? Or or, or get this. Live your truth. Preach your truth. Show your truth. Okay, time out. I thought truth was absolute. And I thought truth was a person. And I thought there was the truth, not a truth. And I thought that truth was Jesus. So if, if, okay, so... I'm trying to put this two and two together. If truth is Jesus, then truth is not relative. And if truth is not relative, there's a spirit of truth relativism plaguing our church, distorting the gospel. And and get this, distortion of the gospel leads to desertion. But clarity of Jesus leads to consecration. Listen, you like my alliteration of D's and the C's, baby. Come on, I worked hard for that. Jules, come on, come on, Jules, like that. Listen, the distortion of the gospel leads to desertion, but clarity of Jesus leads to consecration. And if you think that you're not being, you know, plagued or played by the spirit of relativism, then what about politics? Can I just say that today, I believe that the political spirit seems to be discipling the church more than Jesus. 
Um, I believe that this has brought a lot of distortion to the gospel. Now, it's not bad to be political, so unclench your butt cheeks, okay? I'm not... <laughs> Take a deep breath. I'm still engaging politically. What do you mean by the political spirit then, Clay? Here's what I mean. I believe that if we are exalting politics over Jesus, then we are being played by the political spirit. If we are exalting politics over Jesus, we might be played by the political spirit. We exalt, and a life of consecration exalts Jesus over everything. And guess what? That means Jesus over politics. You can see it as evidenced by this um, exaltation of politics where uh, Christians on both sides of the aisle are biting and devouring one another and they're uniting over political ideation or personal preference or convictions rather than uniting over the king and the kingdom. There's no union over the king over the kingdom, but there's union over political division. What is that? That's confusion. So I'm telling you, the political spirit has plagued the church and has us biting one another. Christians on both sides, Democrat and Republicans, Bloods and Crips. I'm playing. I'm playing. That was a joke. That was an old joke. Leave it alone, Clay. Leave it alone, Clay. Leave it alone. But they're biting all, they're biting each other. They're fighting one another. And if you think there's only Christians on one side of the aisle, you probably got played by the political spirit. You see? So what I'm saying is that it's okay to engage politically, but make sure we put and keep Jesus over everything. Jesus over everything. So a consecrated life requires surrender and to see Jesus uh, more clearly. I'm about to land the plane. The band can come out now and, uh, and set up. I really feel that there's a call to uh, consecration. that will require repentance, surrender. Faithfulness, sacrifice, as we pursue to see Jesus more clearly. And again, this will only be done by the power of Holy Spirit, not by power, not by might, not by willpower, not by my power, not by self-motivation, but by his spirit, says the Lord. His Holy Spirit. We, we, we cannot do this on our own. And so I pray that there is a reckoning. I pray that there's considering. I pray that there's counting going on right now as we count the cost. So I want you to ask a question, not to, not to anybody in this room, but the Holy Spirit. I want you to ask, this is, my, this is my, what I'm leaving with you. Holy Spirit, what's a life of consecration going to cost me? What's a life of consecration going to cost me. Some of us, it may mean laying down some personal convictions that have been getting in the way. 
For others, it might mean it might have social implications where you may not need to go back to that bar, to that party, to that club, to that friend group anymore until you get right with God and see that at a submission field. It may mean forgiving one another or forgiving that person you just couldn't stomach to be around. It may mean asking someone uh, to mentor you because you want to go in, you want to get deeper. You need discipleship in your life, and and that's probably the thing you need to do. Whatever that is, I, I don't know. I'm not prescriptive. I'm not trying to, like, pigeonhole you. What is that thing for you, though? Because whatever it is, I believe that we're in a moment of surrender and sacrifice as we pursue more and more and more of him. So Holy Spirit, will you, uh, Holy Spirit, will you do it? We, We need you. We shared a weight, but Lord, we need you to sort things out and help us to know what it is we need to surrender, what it is we need to lay down, what it is we need to pick up, the things we need to pick up so we can be about kingdom business, so we can be about your work, Holy Spirit. We, we want more, Lord. We want more of you. We want to know you. And as a result of knowing you, we want to reflect your glory As the waters fill the sea, we want Champaign-Urbana filled with your glory, with your glory. But Lord, may it start with me. May it start with us. May it start with the, 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 the sons and daughters here in this room, Lord. This is not a game. This is not a game. We are There are people, lives out there that need to see us, Lord. But so help me be consecrated unto you that I may see you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.